you ask the question, have we ever showed that here before? Oh, yeah. They make a better one, we'll start showing a better one. How about that? Well, we want to thank you for being here tonight. Uh, you know, I know that when you come to a time like this, I mean, we come every year, right? And you kind of go, well, we've done this every year, but actually we meet every week, just so you know. And so we do this on a regular basis, and uh, it's, really a, it's really a good thing. And, but I know uh, we come from year to year, and there's a lot of things happen in that 12 months, right? A lot of things. And we're not the same people. You were here last year, not the same folks, and you walked out last year as you are today. But we are thankful you've made the decision to, to be with us tonight for these few minutes. I will try to get in and get out as fast as we can. Honestly, I, I, I know that uh, uh, there's a lot of things going on tonight, and especially the littlest ones that we're setting up here. By the way, I, I would like to have one of those bears. That was pretty cool. And, and I thought I was dressing up till I saw Joel, and then I realized I had not. And so there's a lot of things I'm, I'm, I'm realizing once I sit in the room tonight, but it's good. It's good. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. You've heard them. If you've been in church you, around Christmas, you've heard these verses over and over. But I want to read them and just camp on one little small thought tonight as we uh, appreciate this time. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Because there was no room for them, for him, in the inn. You know, I read that, and, and, and you've read it many times, and often we think it's because Jesus maybe wasn't welcome, when really, reality was, the culture they were in was very welcoming. You know, they really, uh, being hospitable was just a trait that, that was known everywhere. So, the reality, when they were not, there was no rooms at the end, it wasn't because the people, the Jesus and Joseph and Mary were not welcome. It was because it was overcrowded. Because the, the census had happened, people were coming from everywhere, and because that had happened, there just was no room. <laughs> and as I thought about that and read that again this week, not much has changed, has it? So the biggest challenges we have in our life are not the fact that we're not welcoming people or good people or trying to do right things kind of people. When it comes to Jesus, that's usually not the issue. For most of us, the issue is it's just overcrowded. It's so busy. In the day and age we live in, I don't know if there's ever been a time where we could be more overcrowded in our minds and our schedules than we are today. 
I can't imagine there ever being a time before that where everything, it just seemed like things are pushing us and pulling us and inundating us. Have something on our mind all the time. And we live in a day and age where, unfortunately, Jesus is not welcomed in a lot of things. A lot of times, I, I used to, when I, when I came to know the Lord 30 years ago, you would bring up Jesus in a conversation, especially being from the South, and he was reasonably accepted in that, reasonably familiar with that. But today, you got to be careful, right? I'm not saying you're not brave, you're not courageous, and you're not just going to go in, you know, you know, just wanting to, to, to share Jesus with people. But when you bring Jesus into the conversation, there's not much room or grace. We look at it in academia. We look at it in politics. We look at it in all kinds of different areas, and there's just not much room for him. As a good youth pastor, and I was a youth pastor, and I think decent at it at times, one of the things you had to make sure of is that you learned how to make room for things. Now, we, we, I, I, we, Josiah was with us, I think, and some of, some of the students are probably in this room now that are married and got kids and everything else, but back when I was a youth pastor. But we took about 175 teens from Chandler to San Diego going camping one year. You take 175 kids and you decide to go camping with them, you better know how to make room for luggage. One of the things you have to do if you're a good youth pastor is know how to pack. If you don't learn how to pack, then you're done. But the reality is I would leave somebody's bag at home. But one thing I would not do is leave a kid at home. Because I realize the reason why we're doing all this is not so they can get all their stuff there, and we need to get their stuff probably, but the reality is the reason why we're doing all this stuff is so that kid, that young person can be a part of it. You just figure out. We'd rent another 15-passenger fan that might cost us another $500 back then or whatever just so that one kid could go. Because we knew the purpose of it. We had to make room. And when things are important, you figure out what? How to make room. Now, sometimes we're forced to make room. We may not have wanted to. Six kids in my family. I was the baby till my little sister was born 12 years after me. But I was the baby boy and two older brothers and two older sisters, three sisters, two brothers. But my two brothers, one's six years older and one's eight years older than me. When I was born into the family, we lived in this house as a three-bedroom house, and really the room that I, the bedroom that me and my two brothers had is smaller than this rug. And it had a closet in the room. Does anybody in here remember when you reached into a closet instead of walk into a closet? Anybody? Didn't have near as much stuff, did you? Was three boys, that was our closet, about that big. Three feet by two feet. But the crazy thing is, we had twin bunk beds. And from the time I was old enough to sleep in a bed till I was seven years old, I slept on the bottom bunk with one of my brothers, and they rotated each week who got to sleep on the top bunk by themselves. Can you imagine being a sophomore in high school still having to sleep with your seven-year-old brother in a twin bed? But that's what they were doing. I think they liked me. 
But what I don't think they liked what had to happen when they were forced to make room for me. So sometimes it's forced on us. We do it because that's what has to happen. Sometimes we make a choice. Sometimes we make this choice because we begin to get information. We begin to realize things that something is so important and so significant that I've got to figure out how do I make room for this. Our kids are very fortunate. I, I would say this, not, not everybody's got the same story, but mine and Jan's four kids have got all the years we've been, they've been alive, all the Christmases they've been alive, Jan and I have both been believers. Now, barely, I, I, gave, I came to know the Lord like a, a week before Christmas, before our first daughter was getting to celebrate her first Christmas. And one of the things we do in our family, we have a lot of traditions, and we've built in traditions intentionally because I want my kids to have memories. We were very, Janet, we're very intentional about building traditions into our, from tonight to tomorrow afternoon. They're very specific. Just the other day, my, and, and tonight, just specifically, maybe the first year that my daughter and her husband and, the two, and our two granddaughters, the oldest ones, won't be with us on Christmas Eve. But my, my granddaughter asked me the other day, because one of our traditions is that's when we get our pajamas, right? Right. Not right. You don't know that, but right? Okay. So we all put our pajamas on. Come Christmas morning, everybody's got their pajamas on. You wear it all Christmas morning. She was a little freaked out going, G-pop, if I'm not going to be at your house on Christmas Eve, what's the next question? How am I going to get my pajamas? <laughs> so we made sure she got her pajamas. But it was important to her. The traditions we do in our home, they're important because they're intentional. But here's the deal. They will probably fade. Someday they will go away. So what I don't want to do and what we've never wanted to do is substitute the traditions for the purpose of why we have Christmas. That never goes away. Oh, yeah, you can have memories, but the purpose. The purpose changes people. The memories are a great thing to hang on to and say, man, I'm so glad. But the purpose continues to change every day. You know, Christmas Eve, it'd be real easy to substitute coming to a Christmas Eve service for the purpose of Christmas. Yes, we love family. Yes, we're glad we're all together and we love being in a room with all you folks. It's awesome. Man, we miss the purpose of why we're here. Now, I love getting presents. I love giving presents. But there's a great chance. There's a great chance most of the presents I get. Now, some of them I wear out, but most of them end up in a garage sale or goodwill. For the most part, they'll go away. I, would, I, I don't even know if I could, in my, I, I'm 60, I've had 62 Christmases. I can barely tell you what I've got for Christmas. If I really went back, and I don't know if I can tell you 10 things I've got for Christmas in the last 62 years. But I can tell you in 1986 how Christmas looked different 
that will never change. Then what has happened is I can replicate that. The gifts that I have been receiving over the last 62 years, I'm not sure how much they've helped other people, but I can tell you that year when I made room, you know I've got to continue to make room. I'm not immune. You're not immune from this overcrowding. What I love about being a Christian that never really made sense to me until I became a believer and began to understand was unconditional love. That somehow or another I can make room without having to have somebody earn me giving them that room. I can just love somebody. This last year's been great for us. What I, the greatest example for me in that unconditional love, this year we've had two new grandbabies come into our family, Presley and Jovi. And you know by those two little ones coming into our home, you know what I didn't sit around and think? Man, how am I going to split this up? Cameron and Charlie and Macy, they're going to lose a little. They've been around a while. But I got to figure out how to split this love up. Because G-Pop, he can't be. You know what? I made room. I didn't have to lose anything with the other ones. And you go, that's silly, Pastor Kurt. That's God's love. Guess what? As cute as they are, they ain't earned a thing yet. <laughs> Something about that love. Matter of fact, being called G-pop, I'm called, I'm, I'm called G-pop now more by more people than I am dad or pops or father, father figure, whatever that my kids may call me. But I'm also starting to pick up a few more along the way. Just recently, women's Bible study, Wednesday morning, Jan, Tori, Presley, Charlie, that's my... Two granddaughters, they're going to come over and say hi to G-Pop in his office. AJ, Elena and Brandon's little girl, said, you know what? I want to go say hi to G-Pop. She came over. She walks into my office. She goes, hi, G-Pop. That's awesome. See her next Sunday morning up here on the drums. She's playing the drums, by the way. And she goes, hey, G-Pop. That night, I get a text. And Elena recording AJ and Tori. Somehow they got to me. And I just want to show you this real quick. Happy birthday, T-Pop. You going to tell me I don't have room for that? And I got so much room. That's an advantage of being a pastor and a grandfather. Because I, get I can take on a lot of grandkids this way. He also went around telling people the next day, I think Elena said, today's my G-Pop's birthday. <laughs> All that to say this. On this day, this Christmas Eve, this Christmas season, 
Not having room for Jesus is such a loss. It's such a loss. I was afraid for so long, 26 years old, I'd lived a hard life for the decade before that. I was so afraid. I wasn't afraid that he was going to ask me to go on some mission field somewhere and go do this or that. What I was afraid of was what he was going to ask me to give up. That's what I was afraid of. If I give my life to Christ, what am I going to have to give up? Thing is, you don't know until you do it, right? <laughs> That's the problem with that. Not a problem. What I didn't realize, it wasn't what I gave up, it's what I gained. I gained a new identity. What I gained, a new purpose. What, what I gained, what, when I made room for that, all of a sudden there was more room for wow. When I see a sunset and I see the fringe appearance of God, I got a wow room now that I didn't have before. I got an adventure, adventure, just drive, I think it is. Jan and I talked about it the other day. Sometimes I think we got to get back on that drive because our adventure is not as big as it was before. But I'll tell you what. When I made room for him, he made so much room for everything else, it kind of blew my mind. What I'm just going to say to you is don't miss. Wow. Do not miss. And substitute other things. And overcrowd out the purpose of why we're here tonight. Oh, you can do all the traditions. I think they're awesome. But don't miss the purpose. Don't miss the purpose. And you say, why y'all keep doing this every Sunday? Why y'all keep doing this every year? Because hope never gets old. Joy never gets old. Peace never gets old. God's love never gets old. That's why we keep doing it. It never gets old. So tonight, as we close this service, I'm going to ask you to join in with us, participate, not only in singing, but also and the lighting of candles as we will leave out tonight. What I love about this particular participation is the connection we have as we reach out, as we share. Scripture is very clear about the light. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so as we represent tonight at churches around the world and over the centuries, I'm going to ask you to help us with that. Won't you stand with me? You've got your candle. I'm going to ask some of you to help me. Get started. <laughs>